I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. So I've been having um, different various R&D folk of present and past to come talk about sets. And uh, here's something I've never done before. Talk about the new set with somebody. So I have brought on Ari Nee. So Ari, hi. Hi, Mark. How are you today? So we're going to talk Strixhaven today. So um, mm-hmm. this was the very first set you worked on, correct? Yes, that is correct. Not, but not the first one to come out, right? No, I was I was on teams for for sets that have come out before. Uh, like I was on Caldheim, I was on M twenty one. But when I walked into the building, and you you know got pulled into meetings to start designing stuff, like uh, Strixhaven was the first me- meeting, the first set that I was working on. Okay, so uh, and you were on. We started on exploratory. So you were on the exploratory design team. You were on the vision design team. You were on the yep. set design team, right? You were. I was on set just for a little bit, just for a little not, bit. Not okay. for very long. But okay, yeah, so let's for all of vision and most of exploratory. We're gonna go way back to the very beginning. So, what is your oh, memory yeah. of the very beginning of Strixhaven? It's called fencing in, in design, right? So we knew it was going to be opposite color. Uh, enemy color schools, like five schools, mage factions within a university. Uh, we knew it was going to be a instant and sorcery themed set because that was something people had been asking for for a long time. And it fit the creative really well to have a wizard university that's about instants and sorceries. Uh, we knew we wanted these opposite the enemy color factions to be based on the conflict instead of on the overlap. So th- they were going to be pretty pretty different from the corresponding Ravnica guilds because you know what what's the point in like doing a a five factions of two colors each if they act exactly like the Ravnica guilds then setting it on a new world you're you know you're not getting as much excitement and novelty out of that uh but we didn't know what the actual mechanics of the set were at all um so that that was one of the big things we did in exploratory was like try a million different spell mechanics uh, and also we tried to, like, nail down, okay, what are the five colleges? What do they study in each college? What is the, like, mechanical theme of each college? So that was... Uh, that so what, was, that what was is what your we memory? During exploratory. So I, I've shared... My, I, I, I have a previous podcast where I shared my, my version of how we made the colleges. So I'm curious to get your take on... What is your memory of how they came together? Um, you know, I was looking through sort of our old our old uh, notes on from the meetings and things like that. And they came together sort of at different speeds, right? Like I think we decided, uh, I'm trying to remember which, which ones were immediately the right thing and which ones were not. I know white, black and blue, green took a little longer. Um, red, blue being elemental magic, we knew like basically right from the start. It was like, yeah, definitely the red, blue people do elemental magic. But we had them on physical sciences instead of art for a while before they turned into art nerds. Um, and I think that that was like, a oh, the is it are basically doing blue stuff, but in a red way. What if we flip that and we do red stuff, but in a blue way, right? What if we have artists, but they do it in this really refined and and like studious and careful way and that's what the prismari can be um black green i don't remember exactly i think we knew black green was going to be like biological sciences pretty early on but i don't think we came up with the life gain theme that early we knew it was going to be about this the, the central conflict was going to be life versus death right so 
it was it was clearly going to be sort of somewhere in that space. And we knew it had to stay off of Golgari, so we were going to avoid too much graveyard stuff. Um, yeah, blue-green being math came a little later. Like, we tried a bunch of things for that. We were thinking about some kind of philosophy, maybe, because the conflict between blue and green is about real versus unreal. Um, but eventually we came to this, like, Platonism versus formalism conflict in mathematics, right? This debate over is math created or is math uh, discovered, which felt like a very blue-green kind of debate. Uh, how about Lorhold? What are your memories of Lorhold? Uh, I think originally we it was like a it was going to be like the military faction in some sense, um, not military like police like Boros, but like history of warfare things like that. Um, I don't remember when we came up with Lorhold being graveyard. We definitely did want it to be. I think really mechanically distinct from from boros and i think we were pretty successful there but when did we decide that it was history that one might have been history fairly fairly early on i think actually. i think we were history pretty early on um, yeah i'd have to I'll look back at our notes yeah the, the thing that i remember is the conflict of chaos versus order you know the is very org- organization driven people driven it, you know, and the idea of a plot, like, red-white caring about society as a whole felt interesting because uh, red and white are the, the two colors that have the most connection to people, but in, in very different ways. Yeah, I, I think we might have also been considering, like, a political science or kind of kind of a area of being the area of study that, like, that had captured the question of, be, like, the competing philosophies of, like, anarchism versus authoritarianism mm-hmm. for uh, for the red-white conflict. But yeah, it was always going to be that conflict. Okay, so let's talk about exploratory. I, you, you, I know you looked at the notes. So yeah. what are some things we didn't do, but we tried? Oh, we tried some wild stuff. So I think we we uh, knew fairly early on that what we were going to have something like Magecraft. Like, it didn't... It, it ended up being just Magecraft, which was very simple and, like, we, you know, it could have been something weirder. But we knew we were going to have some mechanic which cared about casting a bunch of instants and sorceries. And so, so then there was this question of how do we get the density of instants and sorceries in people's decks high enough that this is a viable thing? Because normally if you don't have enough creatures in your limited deck, you just kind of lose games randomly from not being able to do enough things. Um, not being able to be proactive and attack and things. Uh, so we tried lots and lots of mechanics that let you cast more instants and sorceries. Um, the, I think one of the first ones that, like, maybe this was something that I was trying to push in my first week there was um, cards that would create token sorceries that you would put in your hand and could cast at, from your hand like a real card. Um, that... <laughs> that was one of the things we tried, and uh, I think that like it and they had different effects depending on what color of mana you spent on them. Um, another thing we tried that was pretty cool was I, I, this might might have been one of George's mechanics was this a different kind of learning thing where like creatures had study counters on them, and they would come in with a study counter, and then you could tap them and remove a study counter to cast a spell, right? So if you had some pyromancy student 
that came in with a study counter, then you could tap it and remove a counter and paste some mana, and it would cast Searing Spear. And it would put an actual copy of the spell Searing Spear on the stack and do three damage to something and also trigger your Magecraft or whatever. Um, so that was pretty wild. Yeah, we later, um, when we turned over the, the set, we actually had something set called Scrolls that yes. were um, artifact tokens that had spells embedded in them. And when you sacked them, you literally cast the spell that was inside them. Uh, yeah, and so, was, some came preloaded with existing magic spells, and some you could, like, imprint spells on them to sort of save spells. That, that, yeah. that, I think that's an offshoot of some of the stuff you're talking about. Yeah, this was, this was kind of an offshoot of... I mean, it's kind of an offshoot of both of those ideas in a way. Yeah. Um, one, I, I remember, like, tr- working with, uh, with Donald Smith on, on the, a cycle that would, like cast some really iconic instruments or sorcery from the past, like by ma- like they would make a scroll, right? Mm-hmm. And they all made the scroll under different conditions. Um, and the cycle of spells was Armageddon was the white spell. <laughs> um, Time Walk was the blue spell. Demonic Tutor was the black spell. Wheel of Fortune uh, was red. And then we're like, crap, there isn't a green spell that is anywhere near to being on the level with those four. So we, I think we went with Glimpse of Nature, but it was like, oof, that's that's unfortunate. You know, there, there's really no green sorcery or instant that, that, like, is a big, you know, impact like that. They're all enablers, like, cultivating things. So. Okay, so and that, here's something else I remember us doing. Um, we also, so we messed around a bunch with how to make instant sorceries matter. I know we also messed around with some mechanics that we we felt felt like school. Um, yep. I know we were, um, so we had one mechanic where the creature had two abilities, but it didn't have them yet. And you had to do something, and then you would, you would open up that ability, and then now it had that activated ability. Um, uh, yes. So that was um, that was actually it was literal level up, and, and but instead of spending mana, you just tapped the creature, right? And the, that represented studying. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go to the library, and I tap, and my my text box doesn't change because I didn't lift weights in the library. But now I have an activated ability where I could loot or ping or something and then, if I learned how to cast some magic. And it, it wasn't quite level up because you had two options, and you could choose which one you wanted first. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, let's say you have a red creature, and maybe it has an activation that tapped to do damage to something, and has another activation that's, like, fire-breathing or something, and then uh-huh. you could shoot, you could tap it and, and learn, whatever, learn's a bad example because there's a mechanic called learn, but you could uh-huh. study or whatever. I think we actually called it study. You could study, and then you could either le- get the tapping ability that did damage, or you could get the fire-breathing ability, and then it, you could later study and get the other one, but you could do whatever order you wanted. Interesting. I don't remember that, though. I vaguely remember something like that from a different team. But there, there's so many mechanics that we tried. Like it, it all blurs together. Yeah, we. I mean, so that's so the audience understands. Like the role of exploratory design is we're throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like we're, we're the idea is we don't go deep on anything. We go wide. So we're just trying lots of different things. And then in vision, we start committing to things and start making decisions and start going like down certain paths and go deeper. Um, and the mechanics we're talking about, some of them were exploratory, some of them actually happened in Vision. But we try a lot of different things, and that, um, 
Like, one of the things that, here, I'll ask you this question, Ari, see what you think. What percentage of magic cards made during the whole course of design see print? What percentage do you think? Um, over the whole course Over the of whole design? course of design. Of all the cards we make during the whole course of design, what percentage actually see print? I'd say about 15%. Wow, that's higher than I would guess. I would guess a little lower than that. Yeah. I mean, it depends how you count, because we also make cards that evolve over time. I'm not sure how you count some of those. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say how you count. But if you if, if the question is, like, what percent of cards, like, that were in the vision design handoff get printed verbatim, I would say, like, 1%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, I think 1% to 2% is more where I put the, like, of all the cards we make, ones that actually end up getting made. Because we try a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and we do a lot of play tests. Yeah, and it's sort of exploratory. One of the ways we do exploratory or... Uh, it's easier in non-pandemic times, but uh, normally what happens is people will come up with a mechanic and then the the designer who comes up with it, or maybe someone else came up with it, but they'll, we'll make decks and then we'll play decks and, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll take a, usually we have simple decks that are like, you know, core set cards and then you make anywhere from like six to eight of the new mechanic and throw them in. Yep. Um, a little, little more depending on the mechanic sometimes, but, uh, and then we, we play them and get a sense of how they play. And then there's three buckets in exploratory. It's, this is good. Vision will see it. We don't have to. We don't have to mess with it anymore. This is bad. Vision knows not to mess with it. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Or ah, uh, maybe we should look at this a little more. And, and sometimes we'll we'll play around with things to see if there's a, a tweak that makes it better. And sometimes we'll tweak the mechanics some. Yep. Okay. So do you have any memories from er, any stories from early early either exploratory or early vision? Yeah. So this is this is my favorite story, um, which is the very last day of exploratory design we like spent a lot of exploratory design working on spell mechanics and a lot working on defining the colleges and deciding okay what are they study there what kind of style of magic do they do what's their central conflict etc um and we hadn't spent a whole lot of time on school tropes so mark was like all right for the last day try to think of you know things that deal with school schools and like we can make some decks with those and play test those um, now, one of the people on this team was George Fan, who was working at Wizards at the time, um, the designer of Plants vs. Zombies and Insan Aquarium and a lot of other really awesome uh, sort of wacky games. And jo- George has kind of a wacky streak. So he the does. school deck that he brought was Fish Tribal, and it had a bunch of cards like Tuna and Mackerel and they would like cascade into other fish because they were schools of fish. But <laughs> um, that did not end up making it into the set. But you know, maybe maybe someday, you know, if we do an underwater world or something, we'll have we'll have some schools and we'll bust out those George fan designs. When we, we visit the underwater school of Arcavius. <laughs> yeah, like we've only visited the land schools. Like who knows what else is on the world. Right, the air school, Arcadius the sea school, and we're only exploring this, you know, Strixhaven. So, yeah, it was fun. Uh, George came to work at Wizards for a year just as a uh, sort of a bucket list thing he always wanted to do. In fact, he was going to work for six months, and he had so much fun he stayed for another six months. But uh, George was on the exploratory. So, exploratory was me, you, and Sydney. Sydney Adams was yep. exploratory, and then Vision was me, you, George, um, Yanni Skolnick went 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 on to do the set design. Yep. And I mean, I'm forgetting one person. Dean. Oh, and Dean Andrew Dean. Andrew Dean. Right, Andrew Dean. Yeah. 
he was my strong second. Andrew Heaton was my strong second. So that it was the five of us uh, in for the majority. Uh, I, I think a few people rotated in and out at, at the, the the beginning and end, maybe, but that was yeah. the main for the majority of it. Um, so this was your first set you really had worked on, um, and, and the first set you had started. So as, as from an, as someone who played Magic their whole life, what was it like, sort of experiencing um, seeing a Magic set being formed from the from the, the very beginning? Uh, I mean, it was really exciting because it's because exploratory design is very blue sky, blank slate, like anything goes, right? So, like, I was allowed to try things that I knew perfectly well did not work in the rules of magic and probably had pretty severe implications for the game, like token sorceries in your hands, right? Like putting tokens in your hands, just not something magic does. Um, but, like, getting to play in that area and, like, tr- try sort of, really outside the box things and that was really that was super fun um i think i was vaguely aware that like you know of all the things that happen in early design most of them never get used and um and that's just kind of okay right that's like part of the part of how the sausage is made so that wasn't particularly surprising to me um but yeah, it was it was also really interesting just like how much playtesting goes on, right? That like where people think of design as making up cards and then like developers playtest them sometime down the road, right? That like playtesting happens after design and that's not really the case, right? Like that we're continuously playtesting and iterating. Nothing goes in that hasn't been tried out at some you know within a, a few weeks of it being come up with there there's no like just make a bunch of cards and then later on we'll see if they're any fun to play with yeah, I mean, another very unique thing of the early part of the, of the process is a lot of the later part of the process is refined right is something yep. exists and you're just trying to make it better um yep. but the early part isn't refined as much as is what is it what is the thing in the first place um and, like, the interesting thing about Strixhaven is we came in knowing way, way more than we normally know. Like, all yep. the things you listed uh, in our first meeting, we, we knew all of that, which is, um, there's a lot of sets where, like, you know, when I Corey started, like, it's monsters. That's where we started. It's, you know, it's, yep. it, it's, it's a monster plane. We had very little to go on other than, like, a basic theme. Um, this one had a lot of structure, to, you know. We knew it was enemy color. We knew it was faction-based. We knew it was, um spells matter we we knew the trope space we were playing in um yeah and like now that i've been on more teams i feel like coming out of fencing exploratory we actually had much more useful stuff to hand off than some exploratory teams have like or much more i would maybe useful is not the right word but like more concrete and refined like okay here's a list of of like what the five colleges do what they study what their central conflict is their magical style their personality um and we had, some, you know, some pretty solid mechanical ideas, although a lot of those changed um, throughout vision and set design. So here's another interesting thing. Your background is in academics. Yes. So, uh, and, and, and Matt, for those that don't know, I mean, math being yeah. your big thing. Um, so what was it like working on a set that's, the subject matter is, you know, an area of expertise for you? That was actually, that was a lot of fun um, because I you know, I, I got to try to design cards that specifically evoked some mathematical concepts. 
I don't I don't know that any of them made it into the set. Like I I I think I had some plant that like made a, a copy of itself and then put counters of varying amounts depending on which one was bigger. And basically it, it, it created the Fibonacci sequence. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I think a lot of those didn't make it in. But one thing I remember doing was pestering Doug Beyer uh, at some point and, and being like, hey, here's a bunch of words that would be really cool to put in the flavor text of of these Quandrix cards or to put in their card names. And I also said, like, could you could you name a, a card natural transformation? Like just just for the math nerds out there, they, they would love it if there were a card named natural transformation. But I think a lot of these cuts were a little too deep, so they didn't they didn't get in there. <laughs> I mean, there were, there's, there's a Quandrix does have a decent number of. I mean, I I think yes. they're not quite as deep, but yeah. Yes, I mean there's there's a good reason that they don't let me they don't let me name cards or write flavor text. Okay, so looking back at Strixhaven, now you've you've now worked on a bunch of sets, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what what stands on your mind is the most unique thing about Strixhaven? The most unique thing about Strixhaven, I would say lesson learn. Like this, I think it's a use of the sideboard that's really um, pretty unorthodox. I don't, I can't think of anything in that vein we've done before. I mean, companions were were um, also made use of the sideboard as a reliable thing you could access, but in a very different way. Um, so I think, yeah, I think lesson learn, it, it's super innovative. Were and you on set design? The flavor of a school pretty well. Were you on set design when they they pulled in Lesson Learn, or was that after you left? I, th- I don't remember. I think it was either it was after I left, but also I think I was actually on set design not immediately after Vision, but um, like a month or two later. Like mm-hmm. I think I got randomly pulled in for one month when they needed a person, and then I was off the next month, just just because of how scheduling worked out. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about Lesson Learn is the um, in Kaladesh we had made the inventions, which is sort of the precursor to the Lesson Learn. But uh, it got artifacts rather than getting instants and sorceries. And what's really interesting to me is we were trying to make it work, and it was complicated. And we ended up cutting it because energy was also complicated. Um, but it turns out that getting instants and sorceries made it easier to develop than getting artifacts, which is not something that like that's like. It's not something I would have even thought of. Like, it matters what the, the subset that you're getting is. But it turned yeah. out that it just, it flowed better for a lot of the dynamics of, of what makes that kind of mechanic work. Now, to what extent do you think that was because we were doing fewer colored artifacts at the time of Kaladesh? Oh, uh, that was part of it. Um, the other part is, while you can make artifacts that mimic sorceries to a certain extent, you know, like, you can definitely, it's an artifact that comes and you sack it. So, like, it, it has a sorcery feel, um, we didn't want to do too many of those because they, they didn't feel super artifacty. Like you can get away with some of them. Um, yeah. and so just the nature of making them feel artifacty made us want to have some number of more permanent things. Um, and I think this mechanic just works better where it's more fine pointed. You get something and you're done sort of, you know, that's why instant sorcerers I think work a little better. Um, yeah. but yeah, when Kaladish was happening, right. Colored artifacts weren't, I mean, obviously the gear hulks existed, but I mean, it was a minor thing that we did. It wasn't a major thing. You know, now it's an evergreen. We do it all the time thing. Um, I think if we had had colored artifacts then, that would have helped a little bit. Right. The fact that anybody could play anything really uh, complicated some of the balancing of the mechanic. 
in fact, that reminds me of a story from Fencing Exploratory. Okay. Like, well before we were talking about Lesson and Learn, we did spend some time talking about, okay, what are some other magic school tropes? And we were like, potions, right? What about brewing potions? And so I think I, I think I made a deck that like fetched potions from your sideboard, right? That were colored artifacts that you could use to gain life or make your opponent lose life or grow a creature or whatever, you know, do things that a potion would do. And you were like, hey, these are Kaladesh, you know, <laughs> in, what, what, what was it called? Inventions, the, they're uh, called inventions. Yeah, you just reinvented Kaladesh inventions. Um, that did not work out so great for us before. I mean, if they weren't bad, it was just... I mean, the yeah. real problem in, in Kaladesh was it was very complicated and energy was very complicated. And basically it was like, you can't do both. I'm like, well, energy is more important to what yeah. that is. So, um, and I mean, also that wouldn't really have made sense in fencing because like fetching artifacts from your sideboard in a set that's all about instants and sorceries was, would just be sort of a mechanical division from the, the main point of the set. But the fact that we eventually decided, Oh, let's just do this with instants and sorceries and call it learn like that. That made a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it is interesting how one of the cool things about you... We make a lot of mechanics, as you explained now. Like, in exploratory, we'll make all sorts of things. And uh, what happens is most of it doesn't work. For, I mean, and not because the mechanics aren't good. That, that's another thing people don't seem to understand. It's not like the mechanic's a good mechanic or a bad mechanic. Is does it fit this set and the needs of this set? And so a lot of times you make really cool things, and, well, they don't fit here... But you sort of keep them in your mind, and then later on, when you're doing other sets, other places, you're like, "Oh, ooh, this this thing that we did back there maybe would work here." Yeah, like there's a there's a mechanic in that in Marathon right now, right? Which mm -hmm. which uh, I believe I first pitched during Hockey Exploratory. So yeah, H to M. You know, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a while, and the mechanics changed several times since then, but. Um, but yeah, now I think it's a good mechanic. Yeah, and like I, I had uh, Ethan on talking call time, and like uh, there's a mechanic called layaway that I made based on a Star Wars trading card game mechanic uh, that you know kind of I mean was part of foretell was very similar to what it was, and mm -hmm. um, you know so it, it is interesting. I mean, one of the things that as we talk about Strixhaven, it's kind of funny how like you're seeing all the sets around it. You know, like we'll make things, and some of the stuff goes here, and some of the stuff we borrow from elsewhere. Um, okay, but we don't have too much. I'm almost to my desk here. We don't have too much time, so. Uh, Strixhaven, any other interesting vision, exploratory vision, sort of, uh, memories of the set? Uh, I think I, I think I told all the, all the most interesting stories of mechanics we tried out. Like, we had a lot of things which let you copy spells or, like, circumstantially flashback spells. Oh, there was one version I liked. This was a, a learning kind of mechanic where, like, you cast a spell and then you exiled it like with learned by one of your creatures and then you could tap that creature to cast it once more from exile. So it's sort of like flashback, but they could like kill the creature if they didn't want it getting flash flashback. Oh right, right. You taught you you taught this you taught the creature the spell and now the creature yeah. could do the spell. I remember that. Um Yeah, the other yeah. thing that we messed around with a bit is um we tried to do mechanics that copied spells for a while as uh because like uh part of Magecraft was it it, it triggers not just off the spell being cast but a spell being copied as well. Um, and I know we tried to... Oh, do you remember Familiars? Oh, yeah, Familiars, yes. The, so those were those were pretty cool. Like, you would... Um, so you would uh, pay some mana and discard a... or exile a spell from your hand to create a token. 
and then you could cast the spell from exile, and it was cheaper, I think, depending on how many familiars you controlled. Right. Well, there, well, there, were, there were different versions. There were a couple of different takes on it. Um, the one I'm remembering is uh, we had an ability word called familiar that all it cared about is did you have an artifact creature token? Uh, not not artifact, sorry. Did you have a creature token? Oh, oh did you have a creature Just, token? Did you have a creature oh, token? Yeah, and was, it gave a rider to the spell if you had a creature token. Because one of the things about the... Um, because we were trying to make spells matter, you have to keep the density of instants and sorceries up, but you still need creatures. So uh, creature tokens made a lot of sense because an instant or sorcery could make a token. It's still a creature, but it counts for your instants and sorceries. Um, right. And so for a while, we had a, a mechanic, or is an ability word, but it, it rewarded you for having creature tokens. And so it sort of said, hey, you're in school. You kind of want to familiar with you. Um, yeah. And, and we messed, yeah, we, uh, and then we for a while had a mechanic where you could kick to make tokens, right? Yeah, where there was kick to make tokens, there was kick to copy myself, um, just to, like, get an, ex- an extra magecraft trigger out of spells. Yeah. Yeah, we and talked about like, replicate, was- we, we talked about bringing replicate back as well, and then we talked about a, a one-shot replicate where you only ever could get one copy. Yeah, I think um, it was called fork or something. And the funny thing, so talk about bringing spells from the back. The we had a mechanic for a while where you kicked to, to get a creature token. That was taken from Ixalan. Ixalan had used that originally. Um, we didn't end up using an Ixalan, but so it's like Ixalan tried it, didn't use it. Uh, Strixhaven tried it, didn't use it. Man, one day we'll one day we'll find the place. Yeah, for it. yeah. I feel like people have this idea that like we work on one set at a time and like come up with mechanics for a set, but it's more like you know we're always working on five sets at a time up and down the pipeline. And so it's like a, a gigantic kitchen where people are picking up and putting down ingredients. Like, um, what's that game? Overcooked? Have you ever seen this game? I've, I've not, but uh, okay. a, a similar well, thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, the other thing, interesting thing is, um, like, one of the things that's, as, as the year progresses, like, there's a mechanic coming out later in the year that we just made for a completely other purpose somewhere else. And the, the, the set was just looking for something. And, and they're like, oh, this looks cool. I think... It, Maybe a mechanic you made, but uh, yes, yeah, it is a mechanic I made, and it yeah. it, sw- it switched from one set to a completely different one. Yes, but uh, well, I guess we'll tell we'll tell that story when that set comes out. But yeah, uh, we'll, t- we'll tell that story later. But it's very, it's very funny how you made this mechanic is really cool, and then a set that was further along needed a mechanic, and they're like, "That's cool, we'll take that." <laughs> one of, one of the yeah. rules is um, the the closer you are to release, the you have priority, and so if you like, because the idea is the set that's farther back has more time to find a replacement. And so if, if a set that's closer needs it, they can steal stuff. From, I mean, there's some exceptions, but they can steal stuff. And so anyway, th- yeah. that's the story for another day. Um, but anyway, Ari, it was fun. Thank you for, for coming and talking Strixhaven with me. Yep. Um, but I see my desk. Uh, so we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you, Ari, for being here. Thanks, Mark. Have a good day. And guys, I'll see all of you next time. Bye-bye.